Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Okay. Okay, last week, last week, Neil took a liberty to take a break from the messages series that we do, Living in His Body, because I, I left him. I, I went to another state. Well, I thought I'm going to do the same thing today. So I'm not doing the message series. I'm doing a standalone message. And I was actually inspired by what we've done with the children. The Lord has been speaking to me something, and I want to share it with you. I don't know how ready my message is. Who cares, you know? I, I will communicate what's on my heart. If your heart is open, you will receive from the Lord. That's all I know. So, but I'll start with this. This one for Neil. Last week, I was diagnosed. My doctor told me I'm a colorblind. It came out of the purple. I had to. I had to. I'm sorry. That's the other one. Just, just to, to feel that Neil is with us. For those of you who don't know, our senior pastor, Neil, he's known for dad's jokes. And, like, uh, it's horrible sometimes. <laughs> I thought, like, I, I'm not going to let them miss it. So. Well, anyway, don't worry. I'm not colorblind. I'm okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Those are stupid, but they're funny sometimes. I want to talk to you today about three categories of people. If you study the New Testament, you're going to see that roughly... Everyone in this world and in this sanctuary falls into one of these three categories. I cannot tell you where you are. Only you can. So listen carefully and try to figure out what category do you belong to and whether you're happy to be there. First categories, I'm talking about three categories in relation to the kingdom of God. First category, they do not see the kingdom of God. They do not know the kingdom of God. They all they know is this world that they can touch and taste and feel, and they don't know that there is another dimension. They know the physical, visible world. That's majority of people, unfortunately, throughout the history. Now there comes the second category of people. Those are believers, and this is the biggest category, and probably the majority of you here, you fall into this category. These are the people that began to see the kingdom. They know that there's something beyond this world. There's something more than what they can touch and feel and taste. They begin to see glimpses of the kingdom, another reality, another dimension where God is real. They begin to see those glimpses when they hear a good message or read the Bible. When they, when they tune their heart to the Lord and they pray, they begin to see the kingdom. Yet there's a third category the rarest one, the smallest one, unfortunately, throughout the history of a uh, Christian church. These are the people who enter into the kingdom. Who enter into the kingdom. What I mean by that is to participate, to have an experiential knowledge of the kingdom not just to see the glimpses because you see a lot of christians explained it away 
that yeah, yeah, one day we'll all get into the kingdom. They mean the time when they die and graduate from this world. Well, if you study the New Testament, it's not how it's presented. In the New Testament, the concept of seeing the kingdom is the very first one. You cannot enter the kingdom without seeing the kingdom. That's why it's a great thing that you come to the church, you read the Bible, you listen, and you see those glimpses because you need to see the kingdom to enter it. But to enter it is actually to come into the realm when you begin to experience that kingdom that hasn't fully come yet, but it's already here. When Jesus has come, he said, repent, which means change your mind, change your heart. heart. Why? Because the kingdom of God has drawn near. It's not far away anymore. After Jesus' coming, the kingdom of God is here. You see, the scholars, the theologians, they talk about the kingdom that has already here, but not fully yet here. See this overlap? When Jesus has come, he was this overlap. People heard about the kingdom. People heard about God all their lives. And all of a sudden, there is someone, if you come in his presence, all of a sudden, God becomes real to you. You touch the eternal word of God. This is the overlap. Do you know, my brother and sister, that God's idea and his desire for you to live in this overlap? To be in this sweet spot when the heaven is open, when angels are coming and going, when the presence of God is here. Not just to see glimpses of the kingdom, but to be in the kingdom, to participate in the kingdom. Yes, it's not fully yet, but it, you experience it already. And it, you, you experience outbreaks of this kingdom. That's what Jesus was, and that's what he's calling us to do. Uh, as I was thinking of a an illustration of that, I thought of a cine, cinema theater. You know, we have one in Springfield. You can, buy, you can drive by it, and you have no clue what's going on inside. That's people who don't know what the kingdom is. Or you can be more deliberate. You can drive to the cinema theater, park your car, get a ticket, sit down, and begin to see something else. But the third one, entering the kingdom, it's like you're in the cinema theater. You're watching an epic drama, and all of a sudden something happens, and you're in it. You're one of the characters. Something's going on. You participate. You're one of the players. You get to play. That's God's idea for you and me. God doesn't want us just to play church and like go and listen. Yeah, see a glimpse every once in a while. No, he wants us to be the same kind of people that walked with Jesus, the same kind of people that you read about in the book of Acts when the Spirit of God would move and operate through them and things would happen through them and in their life. Can I hear an amen to that? So, <laughs> so I'm going to read a text that will help us to understand how practically to begin to enter into the kingdom of God in our life. It's, a, it's rather a lengthy text. It's found in all three Gospels, synoptic Gospels. Not in the Gospel of John, but in Matthew, Luke, Mark. The same story is found. And this story is, consists of two episodes right next to each other, bumper to bumper. And it's not an accident. It's not two different stories. It's actually one story that gives us a key to understand. You remember Jesus was harsh 
with experts of the Bible of his day and he said, you do not enter yourself and you do not let others enter. Do you remember that? We don't want to be church like that. We want to enter and we want to take other people in. So let's read this scripture. It's found in the book of Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 27. It's long, but let's read it like we've never read it before. And they were bringing children to him. They Adults were bringing their children to Jesus, to him, that he might touch them. Another translation said that he might lay his hands and pray for them, just like we did today for dedication. And listen how disciples responded. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, listen, he was indignant. Rarely, the New Testament gives us a picture of Jesus' emotions. Usually, it just tells us what he said or what he did. Every once in a while, rarely, he would give us a glimpse of his emotions. He was indignant. That tells us something. He was indignant and he said, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took these kids in his arms and he blessed them. And the Greek, ancient Greek verb is emphatic. It's like literally fervently blessed them. Prayer, prayed fervently for whatever he had within him would come into those kids. And if Jesus prays like that, it happens. So I believe none of these kids were lost afterwards. But that's not the point. So in verse 17, it says, as he was setting out on his journey. So usually in the Bible, they put like subtitle, subtitle, and we, we get lost. Actually, it's the same story. Kids are brought. Disciples stop. Kids, Jesus gets indignant, he receives them, blesses them, turns to disciples, says, these are the guys that are qualified to enter the kingdom. You got to learn from them. Then something happens. It says, uh, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Why do you call me good? You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I've kept this from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, again, emotion, loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. In the Gospel of Matthew, the same story is rendered. There are different words used. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect. You see, that's an amazing story. If you read all three different Gospels about the story, you see that this young man who came, he was young, 
but he was already rich. In Jewish society back then, it was a sign of God's blessing and God's favor. He had authority. He was called a ruler. Wow, he's a mover and shaker. He's a pillar of society. Already, he's not even old. He doesn't have a gray hair yet. He's already like very important person. And guess what? He's also very spiritual. He really puts God high as a high priority in his life. You can see he runs when he hears that Jesus is nearby. He runs. It says running is actually a sign of losing your dignity. He didn't care. He won. He was hungry to get his answer from Jesus. He ran. He knelt. And he said, good teacher. That's a great person to come to the church today. We would love to see somebody like that to show up. Young businessman, congressman, and very spiritual and really love our church. We've never seen one like that in our church <laughs> so far. So, but Jesus is, doesn't seem to be impressed with this. So he begins to tell him stuff. He said, well, I, I've been doing that, but I still feel that I'm not making it. And he said, you know what? You're right. You're not. You're not making it. You're not answering you're still outside. You're not entering the kingdom. Wow. Let's keep on reading. So Jesus told him, you lack one thing, or in Gospel of Matthew, if you would be perfect, you got to do this. Go, sell all, all that you have, and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom. And the disciples, listen, the disciples, at that point, they were shocked by the whole story, by the whole comments of Jesus. They are shocked. And it says the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, very deliberate choice of words. He just blessed children, remember? This shenanigan with this young rich ruler happens. He left disheartened. He turns to them and he says, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. They were shocked. They've been walking with him for a while, for probably more than two years now. They've seen a lot. They've heard a lot. Now they're shocked by this whole experience. They're exceedingly astonished. And they said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible. But not with God. For all things are possible with God. Wow. 
I'm glad you're clapping. I don't know exactly why you're clapping. If you take it honestly like those disciples, you go like, what does it mean to me? Well, let's unpack it. I think, actually, guys, I don't think, I know. It's actually, there's so much goodness in this passage. Oh, some of you are like, oh, man, is he going to ask us to sell us all and, like, give it to poor? It's not about that. I'm go- there's so much goodness. Let's, let's, let's unpack it. So the main claim here is, yes, you can enter the kingdom of God. But only one kind of people can enter the kingdom of God. Children do. Adults don't. Adults get to see the kingdom. Children get to enter the kingdom. Get to experience the kingdom. Get to participate the kingdom. And it's about you guys. I don't care how old you are, but there is a child in you. There is a child in you. And this child needs to be released to enter into the kingdom in your personal life now, in this life. I'm not talking about the future when you die. I'm talking about now. So in Matthew, it's kind of repeated again in Matthew 18. I'm going to read this passage. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, and he said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. So I'm telling you today that most of you see the kingdom. You had a lot of glimpses of the kingdom of God in your life. Some of you begin to experience to enter the kingdom. God's heart's desire for all of us to really begin to enter, to experience, to participate, to get to play in the kingdom now. And the only way to do it is to learn to be a child. And it's very important to understand what it means to be a child because unfortunately, well, first of all, I want to take away one uh, historically incorrect piece of information. Some of you might have heard when Jesus said about the camel not being able to go through the needle of an uh, eye of a needle, it's some kind of a gate in the Jerusalem where you had to bring a camel, unload it, make it stoop down and walk on its knees. It's not true. It's a nice story. Historically, it's not true. You can use it if you want to, but it takes away the main point because with this kind of situation, when you have a camel going through this little, this little gate, it's still doable. It's hard, but it's doable. But Jesus is saying not that. With Jesus, it's impossible, he said. That's why the disciples were shocked. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. You can enter into it, but it's pretty much impossible. What are you talking about, Jesus? Okay, I hope I don't get you confused. So children enter into the kingdom, adults don't. So, uh, but the most important one that I want to tell you about is the kids, our perception of kids. We love kids in our society, right? We are first world country, so we are pretty wealthy compared to the rest of the world. Let me tell you something. You've seen a lot of pictures where, like postcards and children's Bibles, when Jesus is sitting on a rock and they're kids and they're all beautiful and they're like cute and smiley and they're dressed in their best dresses and trousers and Jesus is smiling. That's not biblical picture. The biblical picture, kids are not very cute. They're dirty. And nobody views them as cute. 
you say, Dennis, do, don't you think that parents had sentimental feelings for the kids? Yes, but they couldn't afford to express them a lot. It was dominated by survival mentality. So kids are very risky investment in the future that takes a lot of money now and doesn't guarantee you any uh, turnout. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I know it's, it's, it's hard for you to hear, but it, it's true historically. In the modern world, we tend to idealize childhood as a pure and innocent time, believing that children are untouched by sin. This viewpoint emerged in the late 19th century. Before that, children were considered just as sinful as adults, were seen as little incomplete versions of grown-ups who needed discipline and education, a lot of discipline and a lot of education to put them in line and make them normal adults. May God help us to do that, they would say. So why, so why is it that Jesus said, but to these belongs to the, king, the kingdom of God? Not because they're cute and have big, cute eyes, and they're gullible, and they're naive and innocent. First of all, they're not innocent. They may be naive, but they're not innocent. They're conniving little creatures. <laughs> they're very selfish. And when they get to the teenage stage, it all gets on steroids. And then they leave your house, you go, praise the Lord, shalom, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> I can walk in my uh, boxers now, no. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, come on. Those of you parents, can I hear an amen? Kids can be nasty, but we love them, we love them. So it's not about this. <laughs> I want you to see something. What Jesus is saying here. It's all or nothing proposition. The kingdom of God, it's all or nothing proposition. Kids here are put in a contrast with a young rich ruler. That's what happens here. Kids here are, are a child in this picture is someone who has nothing and has no say in anything. The most insignificant human being that you can find at that time as a child he doesn't get to say he doesn't get to vote he can say it's not fair it's not america and the young rich ruler represents someone who has achieved a great success in life so i want you to see that the life of god the entering the kingdom of god the life of god eternal life reality of the kingdom can only, can only be done based on him, not on you. With men, it is not possible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And he says, it's the impossible things becomes possible when you learn to walk through the needle, eye of the needle. How do you call it in English? Eye of the needle? The eye of the needle. What the side of the eye, eye of the needle is. Why, why did he do this to the, to the young rich ruler? He said, did you see, did you hear what I just did? I bless nobodies. And you're pretty much somebody by now. For you to enter, you need to become nobody. 
but it's so good. Here's what happens, guys. When we stop being kids and we become adults, and it begins, they say, usually around the age of 12 or 13, we begin to make decisions for ourselves, and we begin to learn the rules of the game, and we begin to play that game. And that game is we're trying to get better at things. We're trying to get better than other people. We're trying to get better. We're trying to, to, to get the favor of God in the form and shape of good things in life, money, influence, whatever, connections. And if we get good at that, we become somebody. Whatever we accumulate begins something that determines who we are. And we begin that thing. We begin bigger than our original soul of a child. Here's happened on the opposite side of this spectrum. Let's say you get to this point and you begin to play that game. You begin to learn these rules and somehow you're not good at that. You're not getting traction. You're socially awkward. You keep losing money. You can't keep a job. You're like, you try to date the, the girls and they all like look at you like you're nobody. It's just, you become a loser. You have a lot of failures around you. And these failures become you too. So you see, in both cases, these are two big camels. One camel right here, very successful. Another camel right here with whatever, humps and everything, very unsuccessful. These are two camels. And let me tell you, most of you are these camels right now. Your, your subtotal of your failures and, and your successes and your words of affirmation and praise from others or words of curse and criticism and by now you're this blob of things somewhere down in the middle of this blob there's a little tiny thread your soul your little child it didn't die it's still there this child can enter easily through the eye of a needle right into the goodness of God and Jesus when he came this story was taking place on his last journey to Jerusalem you know what happened on his last journey to Jerusalem he was crucified he was killed for the sin of the world so that all of this stuff around you good or bad can be taken off and your little soul would be released again and you would have a free entry point into the goodness of God. You can't smuggle anything in. None of your good stuff and none of your bad stuff. So if you determine yourself by your successes, you can't make it. If you determine yourself by your failures, you cannot make it. You need to drop it at the cross and enter as you are to enjoy the pure goodness of God. It's not about you. It's not about your performance. And you used to try to perform in the world. Now you learn that God is there and Jesus is there. And you join the church. And in the church they teach you that you need to perform now, perform now for the Lord. It's, I'm sorry, you know, it's a bullcrap. It's the same bullcrap that you need to drop at the cross. And just enter freely, 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 freely into the pure goodness of God. You see, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. Here's the deliberating thing. Nothing is on your side. All is on His side. Emptiness is on your side. Fullness on His side. 
nothing good on your side, all of good on his side. And the eye of the needle, Jesus, the narrow way, you just drop everything and you step into it and you enjoy the Lord and his goodness. That's, my friend, how you enter into the kingdom of God today in 2023 in Springfield, Ohio, in your personal life. And it starts with prayer. Prayer is not a duty. It's not a hard work. It's not a toll. It's entering into this eye of a needle every day in your life. I, last week, I have met the most amazing prayer being that I've ever met. I'm going to tell you about this encounter. I, last week, I went to another state, Pennsylvania, Erie, and my friends were talking to me. <laughs> and they invited me to visit with them this church. And that was a cool church. Uh, very growing, dynamic, three services on Sunday, one service on Saturday. Like great worship, wonderful. Except you guys are much better in worshiping. I'm not criticizing them, I'm praising you. Because there, there was a big hole packed with people and there were like a little pocket of people worshiping there in a little pocket. Everybody's like, mm. <laughs> So I don't know. Maybe it's a Baptist style of worship. I don't get it. I don't know. I did my Lord Jesus there a couple of times. Scandalized few people. Don't care. Then comes the... <laughs> but the Spirit of God was there powerfully. <laughs> but, but then the sermon began. And I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. I can analyze things immediately. So the guy began to preach. And he was a very talented communicator. And like... After the three first minutes, I already understood what he's trying to say. I knew the dots that he already built that he's trying to connect. And I felt like I, I, I'm wasting my time here. It's a good message, but it's a wrong message. Because, I, you know, I get to be bold and judge messages of other preachers. And I said, this is not good. <laughs> well, for me, I'll tell you what. If it's detached from the gospel, from the goodness of God manifested in Christ Jesus, that's the wrong message. So, so this guy was just doing his message. I was sitting there. And first of all, I was tormented. but well, not tormented, but I was torn. I'm like, oh, I'm wasting my time. And I really want to see what's going on at the bridge right now. And I know there is a, like a... Uh, there's a live stream, so I was going to sneak out and see what's going on. I know there's a baptism. So I was like, okay. So I went, and I saw some help that needed, so I started carrying tables and helping people in the church. I thought, oh, now it's not a waste of time. So I, I got back, and as I was sitting there and being tempted to dislike this message, I said, Lord, I'm here, and it's supposed to be a time when you edify people. Lord, edify me. Teach me something right now. I'm, an, I'm opening my heart. I know this message is kind of not much. Can you speak me through the message? He didn't. <clears throat> <clears throat> but he answered my prayer immediately. The day before, I went to these people that I never met, and I stayed in their house, and I met their dog. And God told me, like, remember the dog? I said, what does have dog have to do with anything? Remember the dog. And all of a sudden, I saw this clear picture of the dog. Sh show us the dog. Do it? Yeah. Her name is Opal. Opal. For the first day, I didn't know she existed. They, to respect me, they put her in the room. I didn't know she's there. So the next day, she got loose. She discovered me. 
She ran to me, and she was careful because she'd never seen me before. She sniffed my hand. And instead of just letting her sniff my hand, I started petting her. Oh, my goodness. She peed on the floor. <laughs> she got so excited. Oh, she got so excited that I, like, I wasn't just okay or good with her. I was really good. I was telling her how good she is. I was like, oh, you're so cute. You're so amazing. <laughs> Puddle. She stopped doing that, praise the Lord. So they wiped it. But after that, I became her best friend. Because everybody was already used to her, so they were like, eh. But I was a new guy. And when she would come to me, she would put her face into my lap and like, huh. And then get my attention. And if she, I wouldn't pay attention, she would go like, blum, blum, blum. And I would look at her. And I began to bite her. She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bet you not. I don't know whether dogs can have smiles. She had a smile. Sad eyes, dogs, sad eyes, but smile. And then, as soon as I began to rub her and talk to her, she would took it to the next level. She would drop on her back like that and say, rub my belly. And I started rubbing her belly. You know, guys, for me, it's very special because I've never been into dogs all my life. When I was a kid, I was afraid of dogs. When I moved to America, something changed in my life. So I, several times the Lord showed me, like, God has a very special revelation of his love and relationship with him through dogs. It's a wholehearted attention given to one person and total adoration based on nothing in this person but totally on the goodness of that one you see that dog was entering into the kingdom i mean if i were dog and i'm a human i'm very sophisticated and refined i have a huge vocabulary this is a dog for god's sake she has very few tricks in her like sleeve like this and that she was employing them totally and fully to get engaged with me. She did not have any crappy feelings about how disqualified she is or unworthy she is. She just sniffed goodness in me and fully realized that, uh, relied on that goodness. Guys, if you learn to pray like that, whoa, you're going to be exploded. You're going to enter into the kingdom every day. Get rid of all religious crap that makes you down. Don't try to qualify yourself. You are not qualified by your efforts. Never, ever. You are qualified by His goodness. With man, it is impossible. Relax. Chill, dude. Do with the Lord. He'll, he'll rub your belly. You know, all the great changes that the preachers promise you, you will never get to them unless, unless you learn to pray like Opal did with me. Because when you bask in His goodness, you change from within. Good changes are called the fruit of the Spirit. That comes from the Spirit operating within you. And how do you get the operation of the Spirit? First, you receive Jesus. Next, you rely on Jesus only. None of you, all of him. Then you become to learn to pray like Hopel. <laughs> and then you get filled and it gets spilled over to other people through you. That's my simple message for you today. So coming back to the three categories of people. I believe most of you are number two. You, you see the kingdom. You see a lot of glimpses of the kingdom. And some of you even enter into the kingdom on a regular basis. Guys, I encourage you to press on together with us. And now we're going to worship. Some of you need a I don't care anointing. 
You know, when you forget it, I mean, for years I've been part of charismatic churches when people yell and shout and flop on the floor and whatever, and I was so constrained by self, what's the word, by being self-aware, so much self-awareness, like what would people think of me? And God set me free. And I now, now I don't care because I engage in Him. I'm becoming that dog. I don't care what you think of me. I'm going to wag my tail no matter what. I'm going to praise the Lord. But if you're not there, that's fine. Just, just be yourself. We're going to have a prayer ministry team right there on both sides. If anything resonated in you and if you want prayer, come to these guys. They will pray for you. But I'm inviting you to drop the crap, come through the eye of the needle, Learn to do it every day of your life, relying on His goodness, soaking it in, becoming a different person because He is good. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.